We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On today's episode of the Pride Podcast, we have our final episode of our draft breakdowns. We're going to break down the last three positions on defense. We have the defensive line, the linebackers, and also the DBs, the secondary. All in episode 180 of the Pride Podcast. Yo, what is going on guys? Welcome back to the Pride Podcast episode 180 on the Blue Warrior Network. I am your host Tyler, joined by my main guy as always, Pierre. No Malcolm with us today, but Pierre, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great, man. I'm actually really happy today. I don't know, it was kind of nice outside, so it's been a good day. I can't complain. And it is officially draft week, and this is crazy. I mean, it's... Unfortunately, not all three of us are here for this episode, but we'll talk about what, you know, will be, you know, for the draft. So we're actually hosting a draft party Thursday on the Locker Room app so you guys could actually join us and see our live reactions and talk to us before, during, and even after the draft, after the Lions make their selection. So you guys could join us on the Locker Room app as we'll be live on Thursday during the NFL draft. So make sure to join us then. But it is unfortunate because we've been covering the draft since what december november and this yeah. is the last episode technically before the nfl draft so it's been an amazing run uh pierre you've always doing your craft man always doing a good job like always so applaud you for your work for sure and of you course too, man you you went yeah. to the senior bowl man you did a lot this year <laughs> yeah during covid too that's impressive yeah, a lot of stuff this year malcolm obviously contributed a lot this year i mean this is our third draft so obviously a lot of big stuff, and this is our last episode before the draft. So thank you guys all again for all the support throughout the whole draft season. You guys are always super supportive about that stuff, and I know you guys will always be supportive after the draft too when we start to break down who we actually got and we can actually talk about those guys. So with that being said, we've done all the offensive breakdowns. We've talked about every single position on the offensive side of the ball, and it's now time to talk about the defensive side of the ball. So with there being only 
a little time during the draft, the time this recording, only three days till the NFL draft. We're going to mesh all the defense together. So we're going to do all the defensive line, linebackers, and defensive backs all in this episode. Me and Peter are going to break down a lot of guys in this upcoming draft class to look out for for the Detroit Lions. Obviously, different scheme that they ran from Patricia. So you're looking at different molds, especially on the defense side of the ball. You know, you can look at different, a different defensive linemen, different linebackers, even different defensive backs. Everything's different now. So it's something to keep in mind with, you know, our evaluations this year compared to last year, for sure. Wait, so, so you're telling me that I could scout linebackers that aren't 240 pounds? You could scout linebackers, you could scout <laughs> linebackers who could run 4-3 <laughs> and 4-4-2 as well. I could, so. scout, I could actually scout linebackers who could cover that are pretty fast? Yeah, you could. Yeah, you don't have to only look at the rare guys, as uh, Bob Quinn says about Jelani Tavai, So, <laughs> Okay, cool. Let's start off with the defensive line, though, before we get into linebackers, because this is an interesting linebacking class. But I want to start about the defensive line class, and I want to bring up an edge rusher in this upcoming draft class. I want to start with Jalen Phillips from the University of Miami. Jalen Phillips is an interesting prospect, and it's really hard to project where he's going to end up going in this draft, because I think he has all the tools and all the upside to be the best edge rusher in this class and has all the upside to be top 10, top 15 pick in this class. I, I really do, and it wouldn't shock me if he ends up being in that top 15. You know, you look at the team like the Giants, pick 12, you look at the Chargers, even the Vikings around, you know, right. 12, 13, 14. <laughs> it wouldn't shock me if one of those teams, you know, take a shot on a guy like Phillips, or even if Detroit trades back, maybe they take a shot on Jalen Phillips. You know, Phillips brings the full arsenal of what you're looking in an edge rusher. You know, he's big, powerful. You know, they had a plan for him at Miami. So you see how his game will translate to the NFL, and you know it's it's something really exciting. But you know, obviously, the cons with Jalen Phillips, and you know, I mentioned this, we can't really speak on the injury reports because we don't know everything that goes into the injuries. We don't have the medicals. That's more for you know NFL teams to know, obviously, not for us fans and you know us people looking on Twitter and stuff. But the injury concerns are a lot more serious than, you know, your typical guy that missed a couple of games because of a back injury or missed a couple of games because of an ankle injury. This is a lot more significant. I mean, it came to a point where Jalen Phillips, when, before he transferred to Miami and when he was at UCLA the year before, he had to go into medical retirement because of how many concussions he had. Yeah. So, so it really scares you if you're taking a shot on this guy. Is like if he takes one bad hit, could Phillips' career be done or will he ever be the same player? It's a huge, huge concern. And that's really going to affect what his draft stock is going to be. You know, if he ends up checking in that top 15, top 20, I think the medicals probably cleared off for Phillips and they're probably more secured with that. If you see Phillips, you know, maybe day two and let's say just at 41 for say, he's still there. And let's say the Lions just don't touch him. And people are just furious, like, oh, how do you miss on Jalen Phillips? I'm telling you, those injuries could be scary. I mean, we, we saw a first glance of a guy who had concussion problems way back in 2012 with Jahabit Best, and look how that turned out. Yeah. Very phenomenal player, very talented player, but the injury history was there with Jahabit Best. And there is concern with Jalen Phillips. Like I said, I don't know the exact medicals. I don't know how everything's going to check out with Phillips. But as far as a talent-wise, he's first-round talent. He has you know, top 15 talent. I think he has potentially to be the best edge rusher in this whole class. So definitely you're getting a bunch of pros. If you're drafting a guy like Phillips, we are definitely getting a lot of cons because you don't know the long-term stability with a guy like Phillips, but you know, him making the transition from UCLA to Miami this year, really the dividends for him and really dividends to his draft stock. Obviously without Gregory Russo this year, he really got to show his 
true potential in the ACC this year. So, you know, this is a guy who could be there in the second round for you. This is a guy that, you know, if the Lions decide to trade back, they might target. I wouldn't definitely guarantee that, but it's it's a real risk. And I don't know. I mean, like I said, there's a lot of pros with Jalen Phillips, but there's a lot, also a lot of cons with Jalen Phillips. Yeah, the, the thing is with Jalen Phillips, I wouldn't be shocked if he's off just off of some team sports. And if he was healthy, we would talk about him probably in the top 10 if he was 100%. healthy. 100%. I think we would be talking about him in the top 10. But like you said, he has concussion issues. He's also had some other issues as well, other injuries. So um, we'll see what happens. Now, I personally think he'll go in the teens and the 20s range, like 10 to 20, somewhere over there. If he falls, obviously, that means the medicals are more of a concern. So obviously not knowing the medicals, would you take a shot on this guy at pick 41 if he's there? I personally wouldn't. Wouldn't, okay. I wouldn't touch if, him. If he's there, you're saying the medicals probably just didn't check out and you're not, worth, you're not you know. I, I mean, if he's at 41, that just tells you, like, the medicals are a big risk. Because this guy is, like, a top 10 talent, in my opinion, if he was healthy. He's just – I could see him being the third edge taken. Um, Quiddy, number one. Aziz, number two. And Jalen, number three. I mean, yeah. Even Russo could make an argument to be in that – argument to go before him as well so i mean it's gonna another be guy who's falling yeah so it'll be interesting man um now i wouldn't be shocked if a team just there are some teams who love to take risk like maybe if it's like arizona they have jj why they have chandler jones like hey we don't need to rush this guy let's just take a chance on him let, let's sit him a little let's let him learn the scheme develop him and then let him loose like i could see that as well so it just depends on the team and um but for Detroit, bro, that's a big risk to take. That's it's just too hard. Now, if they were com- like competing, maybe you take that risk, right? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So you so want to have a bust, like in the yeah, top. yeah. Start starting your rebuild as well. Obviously, new regime. It is definitely risky. So I don't see Detroit having this guy necessarily on their board round one. You know, I think if it comes down to forty one, just going to really depend on the medicals and you know. If the medicals check out, it just wouldn't make sense to him to be there at 41. So, I don't know. I, the only thing I could think of is, you know, a guy that had a similar story with, like, Jalen Smith, you know, a couple of years ago, linebacker, ended up going early second round to Dallas. And, I mean, he ended up, you know, getting himself a big contract. Yeah. So, um, so definitely risky. Yeah, it's a risk. I do like Jalen Phillips as a player, though. Like, if he wasn't healthy, like I said, if he was healthy, this guy is probably a top 10, top 15 talent for sure. For sure. Who do you got here for as an edge rusher? All right, so I always talk about Zach Wilson, but I don't talk about this guy that much on air. But Tyler and Malcolm, I don't know I talk about him. This is Christian Barmore. Are you going into Yeah, he's he's one of my favorite players in this class. Um, he's a defensive tackle. He's 6'4", 310, ran a four nine eight his pro day. He can win in different ways as a passer. Like he's not just like a one technique guy. But the issue with him, he's only played one year, and like he's kind of inconsistent. In the playoffs, obviously, he was dominant. If you go watch the the Natty, this guy was all over the place, stopping the run, getting to the passer. Um, but he's only started one year, and he's been inconsistent. I think the where he's expected to go, maybe somewhere like in the 12 to 25 range, somewhere along there. I, I don't know exactly where, but something like that. I could even see like um, Gettleman, is it? Number 11? Gettleman loves 12. his D-lineman. Oh, he's at 12. Okay, my bad. Yeah, so Giants, yeah. Um, and I thought this was interesting. Pro Football Focus compares him to Gerald McCoy. And 
If you know Ras, he had an 8-2-2 Ras, who is really athletic for a defensive lineman. That's pretty good. If you guys follow Ras, basically a 10's elite athlete. A 1 is like a trash athlete, really bad athlete. So he's a good athlete. Yeah, I mean, Barmore is definitely a really interesting guy. He's my number one interior defensive lineman as well. I mean, it, it, it's weird. You know, you see some projections with him. Like, sometimes you see him, you know, like you said, as early as maybe going to pick 12. And I could see that definitely come draft day. But then also you sometimes see on, like, different mocks, it's like this guy's a second-round pick. And it's just like his his draft stock is all over the board. But I agree with you. I think he'll end up going in that top – uh, like top twenty five ish, I think. He, I don't think he goes any deeper than that. I think he's definitely a first round pick. But um, to go on to my second prospect, now I'm here also going to talk about the interior. I'm going to talk about Marvin Wilson from Florida State. And Marvin Wilson was one of those guys where you know he was getting hype before the college football season to potentially be the number one interior defensive lineman in this whole entire class, even over guys like Christian Barmore, which it's. You know, this interior defensive line class is not too strong this year, at least from what it looks like from, you know, the college football season. But, I mean, Marvin Wilson just kind of didn't really live up to the expectations this year in the college football season. So, you know, it really made his stock fall a lot more than it was supposed to because this guy, you know, before the season, if you're making mocks, this was a first-round talent most likely in your in your board. And you could even make the argument maybe top 20 on your board. But, you know, I think... If you can get this guy, you know, later day two, even early day three, I think you're still getting a very solid player with Marvin Wilson. I think he could be a very solid rotational player for you. I just don't think he's ever going to live up to the expectation of being a full-time starter like he was projected before the year. But I think if you're looking for a guy that could get, you know, 40, 50% of the snaps, I think you can get that with Marvin Wilson. You know, he's one of those defensive tackles who can get to the quarterback. He's also pretty solid at stopping the run. There's a lot of work to do with him. But I think he has all the potential to be a really good, you know, rotational 4-3 defensive end. You know, that's what uh, the draft network also has him as, you know, his ideal role. They usually do that for, you know, each player they put in an ideal role. And they also put as a rotational defensive tackle. And I agree with that. So I think you can get a guy like Wilson, like I said, round four. Maybe even take a shot on him round three. I think you're going to get what you expect. And he's going to live up to the expectation of being a rotational guy. You could contribute to your defense right away. So uh, this is a guy I like a lot, especially with the lines. You know, not really much defensive tackle depth. Yeah, they got Brockers this offseason. But then after that, you know, there's a lot of questions at the defensive tackle spot. What is Penasini's long-term? Deshaun Hand, we don't know. So this could be a position that the Lions could attack within day two. And I think Marvin Wilson kind of fits the criteria of what they're looking for. So uh, keep an eye out for Marvin Wilson, maybe round three, and maybe even round four if he could slip that far. So. Yeah, I have like a mid third, early four on him, kind of. So I, I do like that projection. Um, I like it. I just kind of want more athleticism. Fair. But I mean, Marvin Wilson, like like we were talking about before, you're like this guy could go round one. Like there was a lot of hype around him. Unfortunately, he just didn't live up to it. Yeah, for sure. He just, you know, you figured he was such a like much more athletic guy than he actually showed. You know, this year at. Florida State, so that was a bit of a disappointment. But overall, I still think this guy could be a really solid contributor to your defense, so I, I'd keep an eye out for Marvin Wilson. No doubt, bro. Um, okay, I'm going to go with a guy who's a riser, defensive lineman Milton Williams, and I say defensive lineman because he's kind of a tweener. He could play tackle, defensive end. He's 6'3", 284. He ran a 4'6", unofficial at his pro day. Um, he's obviously a really athletic defensive tackle, but he needs to get stronger, right? Um, 
He's good against run for his size. He has average first step quickness. He uses his hands well, but he has work to do. He's not like a guy who's going to start day one. He could start as a rotational guy, but his ceiling is through the roof. Like this guy could be a star defense tackle, maybe in like year three. But it's going to take some time with him. I don't think he can come in right away and just be a star. Um, he was projected earlier in there, like round five. Now he's kind of getting some round three hype, and I could see it because he tested really well athletically. He has a 9.98 RAS. We said 10 was the highest. So he's a really he's a great athlete. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I mean, I I think I made a three-round mock draft. I think I actually ended up having him within that three-round mock draft. I think he ended up going in that round three. You know, like you said, he's athletic. That shocked some people. And now just looking at the draft network, they also have him overall as the 68th overall prospect in the whole entire draft. So that's some high say over guys like Tommy Togai from Ohio State. Um, Jay Tufele, I mean, Tyler Shelvin, a lot of these guys, you know, even Marvin Wilson, like I mentioned. So, you know, I think I, I agree with you. I think, you know, he's one of those guys that has gotten, you know, a lot of praise in this upcoming, you know, couple of days of the draft, and he's going to end up being a riser in this in this draft class, and he could be one of those guys that's drafted within day two. So I like Milton Williams. I think it's a interesting, pro, you know, project that you could work with. Like you said, he's a tweener. So I kind of like that. You know, you could put him at the edge. You could put him in the defensive line versatile so you know it's something the Lions could also use as well the only guy they have on that on the roster that could really do that is you know just Sean Hand and that's yeah. really about it maybe Cornell but he just hasn't proven anything yeah like Jason he Cornell has. hasn't even played a preseason game yet so <laughs> it's, it's tough to say that but yeah yeah all right um so that's it with the defensive linemen uh some other guys I would keep an eye out for a guy that I didn't mention, but a guy I think is an absolute stud, stud Levi Uzurike, Uzurike, whatever the hell you say his name, from uh, yes, Washington. I, yep. uh, I thought he was so impressive at the Senior Bowl this year. Only practiced one day, but that one day, he was an animal, and he was undoubtedly the best defensive lineman at, at the Senior Bowl, I think, for sure. And Barmer wasn't obviously there, but uh, Levi, I think, is the second overall defensive lineman this whole entire class as, as far as defensive tackle. I think he plays a three tech phenomenally. I think he stops yep. run pretty well. So this is a guy. I mean, I've mocked the lines at forty one before. You know, if there's no no trade backs, this is the guy I've definitely mocked to the lines before. So it's a guy I would definitely keep an eye out for in this upcoming draft class. And you mentioned in one of our mock episodes, you drafted Tommy Toga in one of those ones. So you know, that's another guy I would keep an eye out for. Maybe round three, yeah. even round two. Even in other guys, like the guy at USC, Jay Tufele. I don't know if I said his name right. Yeah, Jay Tufele. Tufele. Yeah, he's pretty good. Um, if you want to talk about some day three guys, Darius Stills. Who else am I missing? Um, There's a guy that tore his Achilles. I, I'm so bad at pronouncing his last name. The guy from or from Vanderbilt, Deo. I can't even say his last name. I know what you're talking about. I can't it's hard to say. Yeah. <laughs> they, I know you're talking about Deo. Um like there, there are some like the defensive line class is not particularly that good, but there are like a couple of guys that we like on day two and day three. We just named a couple of them: Tyler named Marvel Wilson, Tyler Shelvin, Jay Tufele, Tommy Togai. I named Christian Barmore. I think he's a first round pick, but maybe he could fall to the second. Um, Milton Williams, obviously another guy we just talked about. So there's some defensive linemen, but overall, you could see why Brad Holmes traded for Michael Brockers. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these guys, you just look at them, there's not really much upside of a guy that, 
you think you can get 60 to 70 percent of the snaps. I think most of these guys in this class are rotational pieces outside of the top two guys, outside of Barmore and Levi. I think everyone else is like more of a rotational guy than anything. So, um, yeah. you know, it definitely makes sense why they went out on the market. And, you know, they got Michael Brockers for pennies anyway. So it was a really good trade for the Lions. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. But transitioning to the linebackers now, which I think is a lot more stacked class. I mean, this is one of the better departments in this draft class. I think there's a lot of talent, and there's going to be some of these guys, kind of like the receivers, where they could be slipping because not every team needs linebackers. So I'm going to kick it off to you, Peter. Who is the linebacker you want to mention first? So today, actually, Jabril Cox had his pro day, and per Jeff Risden, the Lions actually met with Jeff, or not met, they attended his Pro day. I'm pretty sure they met with him. They went there. So, but um, he's 6'3", 232 pounds, and this was shocking, bro. Four five four speed. Like, and you you do see that on film though. It matches with the film. Like he's athletic. This is a guy who's more of a coverage linebacker. Um, he's predicted to go somewhere in that day two range. I've seen second round. I've seen third round. Personally, 41 might be a little too early for him, but I wouldn't be mad if they took him at 41. I think more at 71. It'll be fair if they trade down. Like. In the 50s or 60s, maybe. That's what I would do. But he needs to work on his um, on stopping the run. Right? He's not. He's not the best. He's not great stopper. at filling the gaps. But that's not like what he's asked to do, anyways. He's more of a coverage linebacker. He's a guy who would come in and, and guard, cover your tight ends, cover your backs. And he actually, believe it or not, he played well against. Uh, I wouldn't say played well, but he did stay on stride with stride with Jalen Waddle, like on a play. So th- that was interesting when I saw that. I think he was undoubtedly the best player at the senior bowl on the defense side of the ball, too. I think, like, him and Richie Grant were, like, the two, like, complete risers in this class. And I mentioned this about Jabril Cox because I've talked about him before, that he made a transition from a non-Power 5 school to, from North Dakota State to LSU, and it looked like a zero transition from him. So he went from a non-Power 5 school to now playing in the SEC against, obviously, all these top competitions, all these NFL prospects, and all the NFL players in general. So, um no, I love Jabril Cox. I think his game is just today's NFL. Like you mentioned, he's a guy who could cover tight ends, a guy who could cover running backs. And he put a full display of that in the college football season. He put a full display of that in the the senior bowl this year. I mean, it was never a challenge. It was never, you know, maybe you think an adjustment period for him, you know, going from a non-power five school, going to, you know, LSU, maybe you see a, a bit of an adjustment, but it seems like he was there 
his whole college career was at LSU just because of how good of a player he was and how good of a coverage player he was. So I love Jabril Cox. I would be willing to take him at 41. I think that would be a very good pick for the Lions, honestly, if he was there. Um, he, he's important, man. I mean, just look at the Super Bowl, like I mentioned. You know, who was, I think, arguably the most valuable player in the Super Bowl? Who do you think the most valuable player in the Super Bowl was? Probably Devin White and, Devin and their White. pass rush too. Their pass yeah, yeah, and 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 Devin White. I mean, he was really big in the coverage game. I mean, shutting down, not shutting down completely, but like you know, did a really big impact on the guys like Travis Kelsey. You know, their backs with Clyde. I mean, I mean, linebackers are important. They're really important, and this guy fits the you know today's NFL criteria of a coverage linebacker. So I love Jabril Cox a lot. Uh, another guy I want to talk about who was very good in coverage and also kind of displayed at the senior bowl. I wouldn't say as high of a level as Jabril Cox, but Chad Surratt from North Carolina. You know, mm-hmm. this is another one of those guys that you could put on the outside. And, you know, he's a solid coverage linebacker. He's going to get you, you're, he's gonna get your tackles. He led the ACC in all tackles. He's a very good player. Um, he's an every down back or every down linebacker, I should say. And, you know, he's a guy that you just kind of want. You know, he's a guy who's going to play sideline to sideline for you. He's got very nice speed. This is a guy that Patricia and his staff would never touch. <laughs> they would never touch a guy like right. this. Only weighs 227. You know, he's only like 6'2". Maybe he may, might even be shorter than that. So he's not the biggest frame. But as far as, you know, getting tackles, coverage, you're getting that with Chas Surratt. So I think Surratt probably projection-wise is middle, I think as high as middle round two and as late as round four, I would say. I think that's... Surratt's projections. Um, a guy I would definitely consider in the third round, early third round pick for the Lions. I think he fits the criteria. Even if they go linebacker in the first or second round, I would be completely fine if they double dip because the Lions really like linebackers. Don't really have any guys long term at the position. The only guy that's you know considered a long term you know guy at the position, and he's even a bit older. But as far as contract is Jamie Collins, you know, Tavai is gone. Uh, Jared Davis is gone, or Tavai's still here, but he'll be gone. Um, Reggie right. Ragland is gone, and then J- uh, Jalen Rudin is on a one-year contract right now. So there's not really much long-term stability with the linebacker spot. So I think I'd be completely fine if the Lions double-dipped day one and day two at the linebacker position. So a guy I would consider is definitely Chaz Surratt. Right. I, I do like Chaz Surratt. Uh, to me, he's more of a like, mid-third, early fourth. But I could see a team falling in love with him in the second round, um, like in that late second round. We see that all the time with athletic linebackers, right? Teams fall in love with them, they get overdrafted. For sure. Now, my guy, I talked about this guy in a mock draft. I just like him a lot. Um, he's more developmental linebacker, but he has a lot of potentials. Derek, Derek Barnes, he's 6 feet, 238 pounds, 458 speed. He's athletic linebacker. He's also versatile. He's played on and off the ball. He could play the edge. He could play Mike. He could play Sam. But he needs some time to develop develop into a solid starter um right now he's, he's not ready to me he's more of a fifth or sixth round pick i don't know if you know much about him but Derek barnes out of purdue yeah right yeah that, that's that's i just you know like he's kind of like uh you know like how there's people say diamond in a rough or sleeper yeah he's kind of like my sleeper or diamond in the rough i guess you could say that you hit on one what was it two years ago chauncey gardner johnson was like that guy for you and ended up being a stud. <laughs> I mean, I was high on him. I had like a second round grade on him, I think. Or third, yeah. I forgot what it was. What, he ended up going 
round four or round three? Round, round four, yeah. And when the Lions traded up, I thought it was for him. They traded up for fucking Will Harris. But, you <laughs> they, know. Got, they got a safety. <laughs> this wasn't the right safety you were thinking of. And uh, I remember even like Nasir Adderley was on the board. He didn't really end up panning out too well in the NFL, but I liked him a lot in that process. So I thought they Adderley's were going to been okay with the Chargers. He's been all right. Yeah, it just hasn't really lived up to the expectation. I thought he he was going to do, but different. Staley, story. watch Staley do some work for them. Staley yeah, is good with the TVs. I could see that. I could see that, man. Looks like Staley's going to grab a corner too in the top thirteen. So that's interesting. Hmm. Corner right. or maybe trade up with the Lions get yeah, the tackle. I, I was just going to say. I mean, they said if Penny Sewell was on the board, I mean. They could be trading a lot for him, you know, from 13 to 7. You can be getting another first round pick for 2022 if they're the Lions in that scenario. Right. That's something to keep an eye out for, definitely. If Penny Sewell you know, get past his five after Cincinnati. Yeah. I mean, I could also see Detroit just wanting him, not even trading. Taking him, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> and if you think about it, you have Decker, Sewell, Ragnow, and Jackson for the future. Like, holy shit. Probably could be the best O line in all of football. Even that little right guard's a little question mark right now. I mean, you don't really, like, when you have five, four good guys, one average guy or one below average guy is not really going to hurt. And it's going to make them look a lot better, too, if you especially put Ragnow and Penny Sewell, right, you know, in the middle of right. them. So, uh, for sure. You know, if it were me, I would personally just take Sewell because I, he's my second overall prospect in this whole entire draft class. But the value you would get if Penny Sewell was on the board, I think, would be through the roof too. I think you'd get phenomenal value if you're the alliance. But yeah. I would, I'd personally just take him. I'd take the quarterback, but it is what it is. Yeah, that'd be probably my second center of Seals on the board, depending on what the board is. But uh continuing with linebackers, and this is a different style of linebacker. And this is a guy that Patricia would have definitely liked. Baron Browning from Ohio State. This just screams Chris Spielman to me. I mean if he's there at forty one, I could definitely see Spielman Really pushing the table for him and, you know, going to Brett Holmes' office. No, we're drafting this guy right now. Obviously, Chris Fuelman being a former Ohio State uh, linebacker, you know, he kind of fits that big build, and he's going to be really like a thumper in the run game. He's a guy you could put on the, you know, the Jack linebacker spot. He's a very versatile linebacker, where you, which you can necessarily line him up anywhere. You know, if you have certain blitz packages for him, you know, he'll he'll thrive in that situation as well. So, you know, I think Baron Browning is a really, really fun prospect and a guy you can almost put in any situation. So I could see, you know, if he's there on the board at 41 or if the Lions get another second round pick in this in this draft, I could see the Lions using even their limited resources if, you know, to maybe trade up or if he's there at 41 just to take him because this just screams Chris Spielman to me. I feel like Chris Spielman would love this guy. And, you know, obviously linebackers are really big in this scheme. And it's a very important position in this scheme. Like I said, not much long-term stability there. So I think it's definitely a position that the Lions could address very early in this draft and even as early as the top 10. I'm not necessarily saying it's going to be Baron Browning in that top 10, but I'm saying it could be a position that the Lions do address in the top 10 with <clears throat> Michael Parsons, potentially. So, <laughs> right. uh, Speaking of Ohio State, too, uh, Chris Spielman played there, right? Yeah. And another his teammate, Pete Warner, is another guy oh, yeah, that sure. we, we've yeah. talked about on this show. I believe we've mocked him before yeah. to Detroit. He's more of a, I think, third-round pick. Yeah, second round, third round. Second, yeah. third-round pick, yeah, day two pick. Um, so, yeah, I, I do like Browning a lot. Um, he's athletic. He has good size. Yeah, but uh, the thing is with Detroit's linebacker corps, though, I don't think they will invest really early in linebacker. Maybe I'm wrong, 
But like they they they're gonna play a lot of nickel, so you're only gonna have like two linebackers on the field. Yeah, that's true. And they play the split safety. So they play a lot of they play a lot more split safety looks. Yeah, and if you guys don't know what split safety looks, it's basically like two guys, two safeties up top, one on the right, one on the left. Yeah, that's like basic terminology for the listeners. If they don't understand what that is. But yeah, I do like Browning, bro. And I would not be mad at the pick. And I feel like Browning could be could have been a Patricia pick, right? Doesn't he have really good size? Yeah, he's like 6'3", 240. Yeah, so... That, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right? So, for sure. You know who just screams Patricia to me in this class? Especially in the linebacker spot? Xavier Collins. He's like 270, uh, 6'5", 6'4", something insane, dude. And he's fast. He's like athletic, which is insane. Yeah. I feel like if they were still here, they would have taken Parsons right away. Like, that would have been an easy projection. Yeah, for sure. I think it, it, it's still a guy that they could potentially take now. I mean, that's honestly what my gut is telling me. Depending on how the board is, I like, I'm assuming the board goes like this. Lawrence 1, Wilson 2. I don't think Mac Jones goes 3, so Trey Lance... You know, what, you know what they actually said today? What's that? Uh, Kyle Shanahan said he wants a quarterback that moves like Lamar and could throw like Drew Brees or something like that. Is that Mac Jones? Definitely not. <laughs> I think that's Trey Lance, bro. I mean, you mentioned like throw like Drew Brees, sure, but um, well, you didn't know. say it exactly. I gotta find the quote. It was like he basically brought up Lamar and like, um, uh, what do you call it? Drew Brees in the same sentence, and that's I not th- Mac Jones. I think it's Trey Lance. I, I, I've been saying I think it's it's gonna be Trey Lance. And if it wasn't Trey Lance, I was gonna be Justin Fields, but I think it's gonna be Trey Lance. Um, so I'm gonna say three Lance. Four, uh, I think the Falcons, if they stay there, I think it's Kyle Pitts. I think at five, I think the Bengals take Penny Sewell. And then at six, I think it's Jamar Chase. I don't think it's Chase. There's a lot of Chase to the Bengals. And then there's a lot of Waddle to the the Dolphins. Dolphins. I don't know, man. It just wouldn't make sense to me for the the Bengals to take a guy like Jamar Chase when you got the best offensive line prospect. And your quarterback just took a torn ACL, which – wasn't necessarily on the offensive line's fault because it, he actually ran into the the tackle. But overall, I mean, he took a beating all year. Yeah, he did I mean, take a beating. He just—it's a position they definitely need to address and didn't really do much in the off season. So, I think it's a no doubter that you take Penny Sewell. And you even said it. I think it'd be stupid of them to pass. I think on. it's dumb, but like if you look at their reasoning, they could be like, "All right, maybe we get a guy like Leatherwood or Eichenberg in the second, or maybe like a Wyatt Davis or something like yeah. that." I don't know. I don't know, man. I even I would even consider double dipping. Your offensive line is that bad. Your I off- would double dip if I was the Bengals, but um, I don't know if we'll necessarily. Whatever. Play. We're not really a Bengals podcast, yeah. though. So I'm just saying, like, it's just like, I don't know. It's so simple to me. Why would you take a pass catcher when your quarterback just got hurt from your quarterback taking a bunch of beating all year? Hey. I don't know. I mean, the if Bengals they go are Jamar, a weird organization, bro. If they go They're Jamar deep. Chase. Even better for the Lions because that means Penny Sewell is there at seven, and we could take Penny Sewell then. But I'm I'm gonna say Penny Sewell five. I think Micah Parsons. If it goes that scenario, I think Micah Parsons could be the guy at seven. I really that's like what my guts tell me right well, now. Just, you, know, you never know. <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, we'll see. I'm mean, oh, definitely another Ohio State guy too. Yeah, Chris Spielman's <laughs> guy. Um, some also other linebackers to watch out for, and this is a guy that, that gets a lot of hype to be there at 41 potentially. Uh, Jamin Davis from uh, Kentucky. That's a guy I would definitely keep an eye out for the Lions. Another outside linebacker who could be a very special prospect. And I'm gonna be honest. I don't think he'll be there at 41, but if he's there at 41, I think you kind of have to take him there. Yeah. And also, if you guys were big on the Isaiah Simmons type train, I don't think he'll necessarily be there in the second round for you. But Jeremiah Wusukorma from Notre Dame. 
this is like your hybrid safety who could play in the box, just like Isaiah Simmons, just like Jeremy Chin. That's his role in the NFL. So I don't think he'll be there at, in the second round for you. But that's if you were an Isaiah Simmons fan last year, I think you'll definitely like this guy. Also, some other guys to watch out for: Michigan guy Cameron McGrone. Yeah, there's a lot. It's an interesting linebacker class. I think it's kind Monty of Monty Rice out of Georgia. Monty Rice, yeah. I mean, Buddy Johnson. What is A and M? Nick Bolton. I mean, it's it's a good linebacking class, man. Yeah, it's a really good linebacking class. It's the safety linebacker and like, well, wide receivers are deepest, but I do like the safety and linebacker class more. The safety class. It's weird. It's kind of like weird because there's not like a round one guy like necessarily. Like, I don't like. I think uh, Trevon Morek is gonna go in round one, but I don't know if he's necessarily like the. I mean, I think he is the clear cut number one safety, but it's like a mixed bag of guys. Like I don't think he's definitely better than you know any other safety in this class, like Richie Grant or Javon Holland and all those guys. So I mean, it's interesting class with the safeties. Yeah, it's like you have like a lot of. I'll say a cluster of players who could start on day two and early day three. I agree with that. I agree with that. And that's, that's perfect for the Lions because the Lions are looking in dying need for another safety. And the guy, like we said, you know, to play the split safety role, Tracy Walker. So there's a lot of guys in this draft class that fit that criteria really well and that the Lions could, you know, like you said, get a guy in day two and start him day one. Well, already in the top. Let's just talk about DBs right now. We'll talk about some safeties. <laughs> who who do you want to talk about? So speaking of split safety looks, I'm going to talk about safety Jamar Johnson out of Indiana. He actually had two picks against Justin Fields this year. Yeah, I mean, that was his best game. And, you know, if you don't watch any college football game or you don't watch any other film on Jamar Johnson, just watch that Ohio State game. He was probably a round one player just in that game. I mean, he was phenomenal versus Justin yeah. Fields. But um, so he's 6'2", 205, 405, 8 speed. He's predicted to go on. I've seen round two to round four. I think maybe he'll go late round two, early round three. I don't think he'll make it to round four. I'd be shocked. Um, he obviously fits the split safety looks Detroit wants to run. Um, he needs to work on his tackling, though. He had 13 missed tackles this year. But he also had six picks in his career, with four of them being this year. Um, so I thought this was interesting. Pro Football Focus and NFL Network comparing to John Johnson. Brad Holmes comes from L.A. Almost uh, Aubrey him. Pleasant, almost yeah, they had interest in him. Aubrey Pleasant developed John Johnson into the player he is, like helped develop him obviously. So I can see the Lions being high on this kid. Forty um, one's a little too early for me, but I wouldn't be shocked if they took him at forty one. Okay, so uh, this wasn't the initial safety I was going to talk about, but I do want to mention him because I got hip to him yesterday. I honestly didn't really know much about him until like yesterday or two days ago, and this is safety. James Wiggins. And you guys are probably like, who the hell is James Wiggins? Cincinnati, right? Yeah, Cincinnati. So this is a guy, if you're looking for a split safety, I think this guy fits the criteria of being a perfect split safety and what they're looking for. And I have honestly, this is one of my buddies, Dante. I mean, he went as high as to say he thinks he's the second best safety in this whole entire class. Whoa. Very high praise. I'm not on that boat. And I didn't really know much about him until yesterday. So I had to you know, look more... I have to look more into him, but as looking more into him, he definitely fits that, fits that split safety role for the lines if they want to go that route, which it looks like they are going to go that route. And I think this guy could be one of those guys where you're just looking at day two and it's like, whoa, where did this guy come from? Like, why is he drafted so early? Maybe the Lions could take a shot on this guy because he fits exactly what they're looking at um, for a player. And his ball production was really good this year at Cincinnati. So, 
And this is a guy that's not really getting much hype. Like I said, I didn't really even know much about him until like a couple days ago. So a guy I would definitely keep an eye out for the lines because I think he's a perfect fit in what they're looking for in that split safety role. So, yeah. Um, so I talked about a safety. I'm going to talk about uh, like a corner because we said DVs. I want to bring up a corner. <clears throat> Next guy I'm going to talk about is actually the lines have met with this guy twice. Um, cornerback Asante Samuel Jr. Yeah, his dad was a star. If you guys remember him, really good with the Patriots back in the day. Um, he's 5'10, 180, ran a 4'4, 140. This is a guy who could come in and start day one at the nickel, in my opinion. But the thing is with him, he gets a little too grabby. Like, he gets a lot of holding calls, PI yeah. calls on him when he doesn't need that. He's, he's a chippy player. But that, that's coachable, you know. I think that's coachable. I don't think he'll be there at 41, but if he is, I think he would be in consideration for that pick. I could see him go, honestly, like late one. You know, I think people give a bad rep to nickel corners. It's just like, if you're a nickel corner, you're not a good, like, it's just like you're settling for a corner at that spot. Like, you're going to have to put a nickel. And I think Asante Samuel is going to end up being a nickel corner. But I do want to mention, you know, nickel corners, I think, are so much more important. Important. And especially in today's NFL, I think they yeah, get a they, they they get a bad rep. But nickel defenses are so much more common now in today's NFL because in most NFL offenses now, there's three legitimate wide receivers on every team now. Right. It seems like so you need three good corners, and you need a guy who's a, like a legit nickel corner, not a guy that just you know who's an outside corner. You're gonna put him in the nickel because it's not as easy as it sounds. Is it easier probably to go from the outside to the nickel? Probably. I've never played the position, but that's what I've heard. It's easier to go from the outside to the nickel rather than going to the nickel to the outside. Look at Sean Wade. Exactly. But it's not as easy as it sounds because I want to bring up a Lions game from 2019. You remember Darius Slay shadowing Keenan Allen all game? Yeah. And you remember how Anthony Lynn kept scheming Keenan Allen in the slot with Darius Slay? Yeah. And Darius Slay got cooked like toast that game until he got a pick at the end. So let's go. We were at that game too. So Yeah, we were at that game. <laughs> but not the point of the story. Because, I mean, if you don't have a true legitimate corner, a uh, nickel corner, I should say, you're going to just put your best receiver, let's say, like you got those versatile receivers like your Justin Jefferson's, your Mike Evans, your Keenan Allen's. If there's a mismatch in the nickel and you don't have a true nickel corner, offensive game plans and offensive coordinators are just going to put their best receivers in the nickel and expose that defense. That's what they're going to do now. So you need a legitimate nickel corner in today's NFL. It's a lot more common, and it shouldn't get a bad rep. And Asante Samuel fits the role. I mean, undoubtedly the best nickel corner in this whole entire class. And nickel right. corners matter. It's not just outside corners. Nickel corners matter. Absolutely. And you still draft these guys. I mean, even if they're just a nickel corner, because they're just as important to me as an outside guy. And yeah. also with Asante, he could play outside as well. Not ideal, but he's played Good. outside at Florida State. And another thing is regarding nickel corners, the cornerback the Dolphins took last year, one of my favorite prospects, kid out of Auburn. I forgot his name. No way, Bahani. Hmm? No way, Bahani. Yes, yes, him. I mean, that, that guy was drafted in the first round, right? Like late first. And I, I could see Samuel going in that range, honestly. Like nickel. We, we talk about the Lions are going to run a lot of nickel defense. They're really going to have three linebackers on the field. So nickel is a very important today's league. They play about maybe 75% of your defensive snaps. Yeah. And, and like you mentioned, Samuel has the potential to still be an outside corner. Not necessarily the size you look for in an outside corner. Right. But, I mean, if you're going to a zone like a cover two or something like that, I think Samuel will be completely fine if you put him at the outside if needed. Yeah. Who's your other DB? Other DB I want to talk about. 
Well, since I already talked about Wiggins, I got two more, uh, essentially. But I want to talk about another nickel corner, Aaron Robinson from UCF. This is another guy that's a lot of fun, you know. Um, He's got pretty nice speed. You put him in the nickel, I think he could shadow as well, you know. Lock down your nickel receivers. You know, if you if you plan to do that as an offensive coordinator, it's not a guy you necessarily want to attack. In my opinion, I think he's going to be a very good pro. So, um, you know, again, not the size you necessarily look for in an outside corner, but nickel corners matter. Like I said, he's 5'11", 190. So I think he still has a role, a very big role in the NFL, and I think he'll be a really good nickel corner. Like maybe you try him out on the outside if it's kind of like a Samuel. Maybe you could play him in the cover two. You could play some zone and maybe put him in the outside. I think that'd be fine. I think overall, you know, him being a nickel corner is completely fine. And I'm not scared of taking nickel corners because they're really important, like I said. Yeah, and he had a great uh, senior bowl. I watched, like, I watched a couple of his tapes. He was shutting down people at senior bowl. Him and his teammate, Richie Grant, they him? shot off the boards at, at mobile. They're probably both second-round picks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And um, speaking of other safeties and corners, another safety that's, like, under the radar – I'm just going to bring up names. I'm not going like, to give like a full breakdown. It was DeMar Hamlin out of Pittsburgh. He's more of a fifth-round guy. He fits that split safety look. Um, if you want to go nickel safety, a guy that he struggled on the outside but was really good in the nickels, Jeff Okuda's former teammate, Sean Wade out of Ohio State. He's another guy. Um, Andre Sisko, we've talked about him before on the show. Sisko is one of my favorite safeties in the whole entire class, dude. I mean, you watch him. And there's a lot of good, and there's a lot of bad. I'll say this. Cisco, like Jalen Phillips, but a whole different situation, not because of injuries, but he did deal with some injuries, but not as serious as Jalen Phillips. But the thing with Cisco, he has the potential to be the best safety in this whole entire draft class. I really believe that. He's a ball hawk. I think he could be a ball hawk. But then there's at times where you watch the Syracuse games and you're like, Andre Cisco has a complete missed tackle, a complete misassignment. Like sometimes <laughs> he's just completely lost. But then at times... This guy looks like Ed Reed, <laughs> I mean, to a certain degree. I don't think he's Ed Reed. He's not different game. But what I'm saying is, like, he has the ball hawk ability, and I think he could be a very good pro. But his his floor is really low too, because he could be a very bad bust. I think. I think, you know, he has the potential to be as high as all pro. But I think his floor could be as a guy we look in like three years and we see him. I don't know, on the Miami Dolphins practice squad. And you're like, oh, damn. Whatever, Andre Cisco. It's just like, it could go either way with this guy. And definitely a really risky pick. But I'm all in for the boomer bust. I mean, I'm all in for Trey Lance. So it shows how, you know, I like I like risky picks a lot. So I'm taking a risk on Andre Cisco. Oh, definitely. I would definitely. Especially take if I have Aubrey Pleasant and Aaron Glenn. Yeah. I'm taking a risk on Andre Cisco. I, I don't know if the Lions necessarily would. And it depends, like, obviously, what pick he's at, whatever. But. I like Andre Siscola. We've talked about it on this show. Maybe 71, right? I yeah. Mean, I could see a team, though, like fall in love with him in the second round. I wouldn't be Me shocked. Too. Me too. I mean, the ball production's there. 13 interceptions, 14 pass breakups in 24 games. That's yeah. very good numbers. Very good numbers. Absolutely. He's a playmaker, but he also gets lost, like you said. Sometimes he looks like Will Harris. Sometimes <laughs> he looks like Ed Reed. <laughs> <laughs> He's a complete, like, dice roll. It's, it's a complete dice roll. You don't know what you're getting with the guy, but I think the the – the ceiling and the potential is definitely there to be a phenomenal pro. And like you mentioned, Aaron Glenn, Aubrey Pleasant, I think they can really get the best out of this guy. Absolutely. Um, you have any other guys you want to mention? 
Uh, we mentioned him a little bit, Richie Grant. I think, you know, he's also one of those guys who could play the single yeah. high. I think he's a really good player as well. I think, you know, he's one of those guys that's going to end up going in the second round. And he's even gotten buzz because of how weird the safety class is that he could potentially even be a round one guy. Maybe even over a guy like Tavon Moorhead. I don't necessarily believe that. I don't know if they'll actually end up happening. But it wouldn't shock me necessarily. But, um, no, Richie Grant's really fun. He's my second safety in this whole entire class. I think we mentioned him, Tavon Moorhead. I mean, he's another really fun safety. He does a little bit of everything. He can play the yeah. box, play single high. I think you could do a, really a lot with him. And Javon Holland is weird. You know, Javon Holland kind of gives me vibes. He's almost a nickel corner, too. Like, he, you know, he, he's one of those guys who could play the split safety, but also a guy I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up being a corner one day. So, like, kind of like Gardner Johnson, where he plays safety, but he also yep, plays exactly. the nickel? Exactly. You know, like how Gardner Johnson was yeah. drafted as a safety, but now he plays honestly more of the nickel corner spot than anything. So it wouldn't shock me if Holland ends up slipping this draft. And this could be a target for the Lions because, like you mentioned, the Saints, who Aaron Glenn was on, drafted Chauncey Gardner Johnson, and they kind of had the same role for him, you know, being that split safety and also playing the nickel corner. That's what Javon Holland gives me vibes as. Yeah, so Tyler, there's this safety like some Lions fans are talking about on Twitter. Uh, I believe it's um, Tyree Gillipsey. Did oh, I say yeah, his name right? Yeah. What are your thoughts on him? That's another guy. I was talking to my buddy, and he, he had him, I think, as like his third or fourth safety in his whole entire class. Wow. So, like, it's another guy that they're really high on. So, you know, I, I'm not going to lie, and I haven't acted like I've watched much on him. So it was kind of like the James Wiggins situation. I'm like, really? Like, uh, maybe I got to look more into this guy. And maybe that's a guy I, I I heard about Tyrese Glipsy. I believe like Chris Burke has mentioned him before and stuff. So maybe a guy needs to look more into, which, you know, there's not really much time left. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I think, you know, I'll trust the people out there because I don't want to really say anything because I don't know much about him, honestly. That's fair. I, I'm behind on my film study this year, too. Um, just been busy, like, outside of, like, outside of the podcast i've been really busy but uh you want to talk about some rumors that we heard today yeah we can talk about some rumors we still got some time so let's do it yeah we have about yeah we have some time um so what are your thoughts tom palacero reported in the morning that uh eagles vikings and patriots the eagles kind of just kind of like exploratory talks they were necessarily serious but vikings actually potentially looking to move up for offensive linemen and then the Patriots potentially look to move up for Justin Fields, and they've had talks with Detroit and Carolina, I believe. So what are your thoughts on that? I think with the Vikings, it would, first of all, just be interesting that, you know, the brothers would be making a trade almost essentially. I know Spielman's not the GM, but, like, Chris Spielman, Rick Spielman, so obviously the connection over there. But you are trading within a division, so that's always a little bit of tricky. But, you know, their draft picks sound like you're trading established players to, a, like, a, you know, your team. So teams are more willing to do that rather than trading like an established player to your division, if that makes sense. So like Daniel Hunter would not get traded to the NFC North, but the Lions would probably be more willing to trade the seventh pick to the Vikings if they can get a nice haul back in return, right? I'm going to be honest, bro. I don't think they would. You don't That's think just so? me. I don't think so. Uh, because you're basically saying, here, take Panay Sewell or take Rashawn Slater. And we both think highly of those guys. Yeah. And... I don't think they would trade with the Vikings unless the Vikings overpaid. The That's Vikings what I'm would saying. have to overpay. A hundred percent. Like you're not trading within the division for a normal. It's not like a normal team. It's not like trading with the Denver Broncos. You're trading with the Minnesota Vikings. You're trading with the Still division. Still, though, rival. I mean, I don't know. It's kind of. But it kind of favors both teams in a, in a certain sense. If you're looking in Detroit sense, if they just want to Micah Parsons, let's say, 
and they think he could be there at 14, or if they like a guy like Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith, if they have like multiple guys that they like and they think they could fall in their position, it favors Detroit because it also gives them future draft capital, and it also hurts the team you're trading with capital down the line. So if you don't think Minnesota is a long-term project and you think that they're just, you know, trying to be desperate and go one last run, you are still in their capital at the end of the day. So, I mean, it kind of favors both teams at the end of the day. So it's, it's, it's weird. I don't know. I think if it was for a quarterback, no way in hell uh, division trades are happening. Like the Falcons, like, like before the Panthers trade for a quarterback, there's no way the Panthers and Falcons were ever making a trade. It was no, never going to happen. So. Absolutely not. And um, for a quarterback, it's a lot different. All right. Another rumor. Um, this is from Albert Breer in his um, MNQB, I think it's called. This is what he says. Said very few people who know Dan Campbell, they won't believe the receiver name will be dressed this high. Um, more likely, as they see it, it would be like Sewell or Slater and other names he's heard connected to Detroit as Parsons. But then also later in the day, Benjamin Albright, who kind of, he covers the Broncos, but he's also a well-respected uh, national covers like nationally a little. He retweeted a tweet that said, "Just got off a phone call. They wouldn't be surprised Detroit took the right quarterback if he was there." Or if he said Fields, I don't know who he said, but he didn't say a quarterback. He just said if the right quarterback's there. So okay, so now we're like okay, so Parsons, Sewell, Slater, Fields, receiver likely off again. We don't. These could be smoke screens. We don't know how true these are, yeah, right? 100%. These could be smoke screens. Like I don't, I don't know. I mean, what have I been preaching since day one? Don't draft a pass catcher and draft an offensive lineman, quarterback, or a linebacker. <laughs> so that I mean that fits every rumor. I would ever hope for like if that actually ends up happening on draft day oh my my needs and my satisfactions are fulfilled at that point because that's I mean, exactly yeah. what i've been saying i said you grab sewell you grab slater parsons is cool and if there's a quarterback there like justin fielder lance you take one of those two in my opinion yeah and, and when you when you look at um when you look at the saints and rams i think the last first round receiver this rams took was Tavon austin didn't really work out for them yeah and ever since then, they've kind of taken guys like in the mid rounds, Van or day two, day three, Van Jefferson, yep. Cooper Cup. Yep. Um, so, and even the Saints, they, they haven't really addressed wide receiver high. They take Michael Thomas, Trey Hendrickson. Those are day two, day three guys. Who else? I'm missing a guy. I, I can't remember his name, but um, it's just like, okay, so looks like they won't go receiver, but again, we don't know because. Well, if they had a chance at taking those guys, would they potentially take it? Because these teams always pick high. They don't even have a first-round pick. Yeah, for sure. So, like, if Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts is there, you know, it's going to be tough to pass up on those guys for sure. I meant of, low, my bad, not high. Low. Yeah, yeah, I understand. But, like, overall, I, I mean, that's what I've been preaching since day one is, like, don't rush the pass catcher, especially in this class. You can get one later on and dress the more important positions, in my opinion. So offensive line, quarterback, and uh, linebacker. And I want to mention this just because it's being thrown out there. I think it's fair. I mean, let's go back to January. Let's go back to Dan Campbell's press conference. Remember when he got asked, what are you looking at quarterback? And the criteria he asked for, what are you looking at quarterback? So he asked for not necessarily a Rura guy, but a guy who could be a leader and a guy who could move in the pocket and just a smart quarterback, right? I have the quote in front of me. You want me to read it? Go for it, yeah. Okay, this is what he said. I think first and foremost, I'd want a guy that I feel like has leadership qualities. He doesn't have to be a loud rah-rah guy like you said. 
but he needs to be able to command the huddle. I think he needs to be able to communicate. You'd be surprised how many guys in here perceived as good quarterbacks in the league, but they don't know how to communicate. They got the arm talent. They have all these things, but they can't. They struggle to get out of their mouth as we get lined up fast enough from check out the coverage. And then later on, he continued. I think to have somebody that people would rally around and guys in the locker room would gravitate towards and they understand that, that players got some grit and toughness about them. And so, honestly, I kind of view the intangibles of a quarterback more than I do arm strength, like arm talent. You can't be a weak-armed guy, but I'd rather have a guy that he's an accurate passer, he makes smart decisions. certainly would like a little more mobile quarterback because in today's game, it's hard when you're a guy who can't move around in the pocket. That's kind of my vision for a quarterback. Okay, so now we break it down in this draft class. I think that definitely breaks down Trey Lance. I think that he definitely fits that criteria. And right. let's just assume he's gone. I think another guy that really fits that criteria, and I think Spielman could back up, you know, the, the greediness and, you know, the leadership of a quarterback at Ohio State, and that's Justin Fields. And he yeah. fits that criteria, a guy who can move in the pocket and make the smart decisions. You know, maybe not always the smart decisions, but something he could definitely develop into. Like I said, as a mobility, a guy you'll definitely play for because, like we mentioned, he'll take hits and he'll still continue in the game, kind of like what Stafford did, you know, as a line, you know. It's right. a guy you fight for, a guy you want to play for, because if he's willing to put it on the line, you're going to be willing to put it on the line. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not saying Justin Fields is as gritty as Matthew Stafford. It's definitely something he's going to have to earn as a pro, and like Stafford did in 11 years and 12 years. So it's going to have to be something you earn as you go on. But, I mean, from the limited experience we saw at Ohio State, we just saw even in the Clemson game in the national uh, in the playoffs, you know, he got a really bad injury in the ribs and I believe the ankle – still continued to play and had the best game of his college career. Best game of his college career. He was balling. The arm angle was there. I mean, he definitely is a leader. I don't think that's no disagreement there. So I think if you're looking for a quarterback and you're looking at Dan Campbell's statement back in January, I think it fits the criteria, right? Yeah, I guess. And if you want to talk about mid-round guys, maybe Kellen Mond, he fits that a little. Um... There's not really that many, like... I mean, I can't really speak on Davis Mills. I don't know about his leadership ability. He doesn't really have the mobility to him. Yeah, does does Jamie Noon have mobility? Like, a little, but, like... He can move, he can move in the pocket. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He can move a little, but nothing, like, crazy. Yeah, I mean, he opted out of the year, so we didn't really get to see him this year. So. Yeah. Personally, I'm not a fan of taking the developmental quarterback, because it's just, like... I mean, you rarely hit on them, and the guys are always, like, career backups, or they're bouncing around team to team. Yeah, for sure. So, I don't know. If we're going to go to Dan Campbell's criteria, there's definitely a guy that could be there at seven for the lines. And like you mentioned, Benjamin Albright's comment, don't rule out Detroit drafting a quarterback. And something also to mention, could also be smoke, but Brad Holmes, Dan Campbell on the staff attended both of Justin Fields' pro days. And one of Lance's. Only one of Trey Lance's. That's interesting. I don't know if that's smoke. Like, do we do that? Like, hey, we're not interested, but we actually are, you know? I don't know. It's weird. It's tricky, bro. I mean, the thing is, though, they've leaked out every scenario. They've leaked out that they want Slater, they want Sewell, they want to trade back. They Obviously, Albright Parsons. said, don't be surprised. They take quarterback. Parsons. We really haven't heard much receiver. Um, I don't. That's interesting. Is that, maybe, part of this, is that part of the sabotage? Right? It like, could they, be. It yeah, could like, be, right? Are, maybe are they like every scenario that they're, they're not going to do, but we're going to actually have to receive her? Hey, I mean, look, you can't really go wrong with this pick, right? Like, you're going to get a talented player. We've talked about Slater. We've talked about Sewell. We've talked about Waddle. Personally, I'm not a, like, fan of Smith, his size, but the guy's film is excellent. Like, 
I don't think you'd go wrong with the pick. And I'm also not a fan of taking the linebacker early, but the guys like like you guys have said, Devin White has balled out and Parsons is a great athlete with a ton of potential. So you could like you can't really go wrong with the pick. Yeah, for sure. I think the talent you're gonna get, you can't go wrong. I think the only way you can go wrong, in my opinion, is just the positional value. So if you go a pass catcher, I think that's not the greatest value in that position. If it's at seven, let's say. If it's a trade back and you grab one of those guys, changes the whole you know changes the whole scenario. I'd be completely fine with that at that point. But if it's at seven, there's going to be somebody on the board, hundred percent, that I think will be more valuable than a pass catcher, in my opinion. That's fair. I, I I think a little different, but that's fair. You know, I mean, we have different thoughts. Either way, though, like. It's very hard to screw this up. Yeah, yeah. The only way you could screw up is, is injuries. Injuries or, like, a player just not working out for whatever reason. But it's honestly, like, Brad Holmes. Plus, I mean, you, you could trade back. Like, say you go, like, let's talk about this. Let's talk about players potentially at 15. We haven't really talked about that. <clears throat> Tevin um, Jenkins. Oh, hey. <laughs> I read today a thing about Tevin Jenkins, and I was like, damn, Tyler. I forgot who it was from, but it was, like, Tevin Jenkins – is a guy who's nasty. He'll come. He'll block you. And he's a kneecap. He, he's a kneecap. <laughs> he is, man. He's a kneecap biter or whatever. I'm like, damn, I thought it's Tyler. Like, Tyler said he'll destroy your mother. <laughs> he will, bro. <right? laughs> <laughs> he, he doesn't care. He doesn't All care. All jokes aside, though, um, Darisaw, right? Virginia Tech tackle. Um, Quiddy Pay. Christian Barmore, in my opinion. I don't know. Other people might not think that. I don't know if you do. I, I wouldn't be mad if you took him I like Barmore a lot. I think it's a little early for Rashad Bateman, personally. I like Bateman, too, a lot. 15? Uh, maybe, 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 right? Depending on how the board is. If all three pass catches are gone, and just depending on how the board is, I'd, I'll yeah. just make a fine for him. Um, J.O.K., Jeremiah Wusukuramoa. Um, okay, there's this guy. He's climbing up boards. Maybe it might be a little too early for him, but I wouldn't be surprised if a team falls in love with the team. It's Jamin Davis. Yeah, like, can we mention him a little bit in this episode? Yes. But I think he's maybe more of a more 20s guy. But I wouldn't be sure if he goes in the teens. Who else? Um, I mean, I think, I th- I think Horner, so. right? Like, if J.C. Horn somehow falls. I don't think J.C. Horn gets past 13. If I'm just saying, if, like, somehow Horn or, like, Sertain falls, I don't think they will. But if they fall and you're, you're like, at pit 15, that would be a good pick, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, there's, this corner class is stacked. You got guys like Caleb Farley as well, who's really good. Greg Newsome. So... Yeah, Newsom really... is a guy. Yeah, Farley has those medical issues. We'll see how far he'll drop. Um, That's a good corner class. I think, though, also this year, if we see players falling, it's probably due to medicals. Yeah, Or, sure. like, off-field issues or something. Like, every year we have, like, two or three of those guys somehow just falling and falling and falling. Most likely they had an interview well, off-field issues, or medicals. Yeah, no, that's usually how it goes. And, there's like you mentioned, there's always those guys every year. It's like, oh, my God, he's here round five. He's still here around six. <laughs> Amani, we want him at round three. Yeah. No, we want him at round two. Yeah. He was yeah, there. Round three. Nope. We're not taking him round four. Okay, take him. Nope. Round five. Take him. Yes, finally. You know you know who that guy was from me last year? That was Curtis Weaver. I I was so high on Curtis Weaver and he just kept falling and falling and falling. I think he ended up getting picked in the fifth round by the, the Dolphins. Yeah, I think. Um, I think he was hurt, if I remember. I yeah, remember. his medicals didn't check out. And he got traded to the Browns. I think he got cut. So I don't know what's going on with Curtis Weaver right now. But um, another guy was like that, too. You remember the senior bowl, Bradley and I? Like, he just kept slipping and slipping. Yeah, that was odd, too. Yeah, I think he's with the Cowboys right he's now. With the guy, he's with the Dallas now, yep. Yeah, so there's so- always those guys every year. Even Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. 
Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. guys, and there's, like, sometimes maybe we are high on, on players and teams are. I mean, teams obviously do a lot more work than we do on these guys. But it is what it is, bro. I mean, even last year, I think one of those guys was AJ Epinesa. Like, AJ Epinesa was getting those, like, hypes to potentially be a top 15, top 20 guy. Ended up getting picked, like, in the 50s by Buffalo. I thought he was actually going to be the pick for Detroit. Like, they took Swift and said, I thought Epinesa was going to uh, come second to round. I did, too. I thought yeah, he fits what they were Boy, was for. I wrong. But <laughs> he went to Buffalo, and I think he was, like, He's solid. he was okay with them. I don't really remember, but, yeah. So, it's definitely going to be interesting, and I'm, I'm so excited, man. The draft is the best weekend. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, the best weekend, man. Like, Saturday, even day three, I enjoy it. I watched from all the way from 12 o'clock all the way, you know, till the end. It's so fun. It's so enjoyable. Absolutely. Yeah, it's really fun. The draft is fun. Um, I think, personally, I enjoy first round and second round. But day three is like, okay, who the hell is this guy? Who do they pick? And then you do research. Like, even just other teams picking a guy. Yeah. Like, you, sure. it's, it's kind of, like, surprising sometimes. Like, who? I never heard of this guy. Yeah. <laughs> and you look at me like, oh, shit, okay. Like, this guy... You know, we had one of those guys in 2019 in round two. <laughs> um, we also had one, like, last year in round, fifth round. And then when you look, I'm like, okay, he could be a returner. Okay. Hunley. But uh, just Hunley, to work yeah, out. Yeah. No, I had no idea who Jason Hunley was. Yeah. So every year there's, like, guys like that. Even Tracy Walker. Like, we had no idea who yeah. he was. Really know and apparently was. the media was low on him, but. The rumor was the Panthers were getting ready to pick him and Detroit traded up or something and got him. So every year, bro, every year the draft is fun, right? There's sometimes there's players who get reached, a surprise in the first round. All right, let's do like a bold prediction. Okay, let's do it. What is one surprise you can see in the first round? Like either a team reaching for a player, like one time we saw the Raiders take Farrell, one time we saw Seattle yeah. take LJ Collier. So give me a bold prediction. Like who's one team you could see reaching for a player or just like – like, what the hell? Why did this guy go in round one? Okay, so this one wouldn't shock me because I think he's personally the best ed- best edge rusher in this class, but I think it would shock many people. Gregory Russo would be the first edge rusher taken off the board. Oh, okay. So over Pay, Aziz's Jewelry, um, who am I missing? Jalen Phillips. I mean, all those guys. I think Gregory Russo will be the first edge rusher taken off the board. That's bold. That's bold. I got to think of one. Let's see. Okay, I don't know if this is necessarily bold, but I'll say this. My bold prediction is no running backs will go in the first round. Is that yeah. bold? No, I think that's definitely bold. I, I I mean, I could see either scenario. I could see like a team like Miami at 18 go like Najee or ETN, or I could see, you know, Pittsburgh now after losing James Conner. I could see them being one of those teams that like, I yeah. think they're like 24, 25. I, I could see them. Jets have multiple picks. It wouldn't shock me if they went Najee. I think Najee has the first round potential, but it wouldn't shock me if he's there day two. So I think that's pretty bold. I think that could go either way. Okay. What else right. is there? I'm trying to think of another bold prediction. If I can think, think of on one. the top of my head. All right, here's one. Devontae Smith will be the fourth receiver selected in the first round. Oh, that is bold. Okay, so who's, who's number three then? Um, I'd say Elijah Moore or Rashad Bateman. Okay, I, I like that one a lot. I mean, even we saw. Remember, Peter Schrager it was a couple weeks ago. He's saying that he thinks Kadarius Tony could potentially go before Devontae Smith. That. I, I don't just, see that either. But Tony, to me, like he has a lot of he has a lot of cleanup to do. I don't think he's a first round talent, but if he is, good for him. Yeah, I think he could be a late one guy. Is it bold to say I think Terrence Marshall slips out of day one? 
Um, well, when you look at the late first round, there are numerous teams. The Ravens yep. need like a bigger receiver. The Chiefs need a bigger yep. receiver. Packers need a receiver. The Saints need a receiver. Titans need a receiver. Yeah, bro. So like, I'll give that to you. I, th- I think. I mean, I'm not gonna say that's the biggest bold prediction, but I think Marshall could potentially slip to day one just because of the back injury and the medical is not clear. 100%. That is true, though. That is. I've heard that. I mean, he's a guy at 41. Oh, I'm all in. <laughs> I would be. I mean, I don't know how the medicals are. If they're not as bad, I would be willing to take that risk. If we're going just as a player, I'm all in. Yeah, as a player, to me, he's a first round talent. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think with that being said, I think that is a wrap. So, like I said, guys, we we will be live during the NFL draft on Thursday on the locker room app. So definitely join us on the locker room app. It's gonna be a lot of fun. We'll be live right before the draft, and we'll be on throughout the whole draft to see all the surprises we'll see if gregory russo actually ends up being the first edge rusher taken off the board <laughs> so i mean we'll see i mean there's gonna be a lot of stuff it wouldn't shock me though because you know russo was one of those guys that was getting like top 10 buzz before and like that's really season. cool I, I love that prediction like that's if that happens bro that, that's if that happens i'll get you i'll get you um Give me dinner's some dinner. on me yeah i need a dinner we'll get some dinner <laughs> dinner's on me i still owe you a dinner from last year Oh but yeah, that's when Jay comes in town. We'll do that together. But I'm telling you, um, if that happens, dinner's on me. We'll go to your place to where everyone eat. We'll go and. Ooh, okay. <laughs> hey, chill now. Don't make uh, okay. Okay. Don't uh, go like a fancy steakhouse. Oh, we thinking of Ruth Christen now. <laughs> We're not doing that now. <laughs> go to, Hi- go, go to Hyde Park in Birmingham. <laughs> Uh, but Peter's gonna compliment with a nice, like, a happy meal from McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, but there's something good, but nothing like two pants. We'll go somewhere good. I got you. All right. Well, again, hope you guys all enjoyed the draft coverage throughout the whole year. It's been a lot of fun, and it's not ending here. Like, this is the last show before the draft, but I mean, it's gonna just get more interesting because we actually know where these guys are and who is actually on our team now. We can actually talk about our guys so it's gonna be a lot of fun so stay tuned for that we'll have our post draft show after obviously and then you know maybe we'll get some more analysts on to talk about our picks like i said locker room join us on thursday it's gonna be a lot of fun join us i mean it's gonna be a lot of surprises i'm already telling you it's a weird year this year covid so we don't really know combine so there's gonna be a lot of surprises i think this year so yeah stay tuned join our locker room for sure uh thursday and then we'll be live before the draft so with that being said hope you guys all enjoyed again and i'm signing out guys peace all right guys uh speaking of live room actually i know a lot of you android users were tweeting at us dming us android is actually available for you users just go to your app store type in locker room download the app and then you could join our room we could talk about we'll talk about the picks not just the lines other picks we'll have our reactions live so either tyler will be doing backflips or he'll like just leave us all right i'm not this live they, they yeah. drafted Devontae Smith. I'm leaving. I'm done. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But uh, you'll see our live reactions, but you know, you guys don't really see that. Uh, it'll be fun. And I uh, hope you guys are all staying safe during this time. And I'm out. Peace.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.